2: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Hab's Eyes on the Prize
0: Hello, welcome to Top Twenty Five under Twenty Five. While we're waiting for a uh, trade announcement, as uh, Montreal is currently in the race to get Monahan from Calgary in order to facilitate the. That's in cadre trade. Uh, interesting times, but we're gonna stick with the top twenty-five under twenty-five. It's me, Patrick Bexel, and I'm joined by Croatian Anton Rosigord. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, I, I feel like I have so many nationalities in me now that, well, that sounds dirty, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, I, I keep moving around and uh, picking up a few new cultures, just because I'm so money cultured, monocultured myself, being all Swedish.
0: So, so I, from what I understand, you're part of like more or less the next uh, Game of Thrones because you're somewhere in Croatia where they shot half the movie, right? Or half yeah, the well, I mean, they shot most of the series in Dubrovnik or or around
2: there, and I'm in up in, uh, in up in the north in the capital Zagreb. So I haven't seen any uh, uh, dragons or wildlings <laughs> or or anything like that yet. Just uh, a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of Croatian
0: people. And could it be because you're from the north?
2: Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, I'm I'm from the north, so uh the winter is coming. Yeah.
0: Indeed it is. Uh hopefully, because it's been like 30 degrees here in Sweden again. And we're joined by because we needed a, you know, a random Canadian guy. So Matt Drake joined us again. Yes, sir. Uh, we're gonna stick to these five before we get into the 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 actual top twenty-five and and the list that we're having uh ready. Um and it's 30 to 26 and we have some really good players on this list at that time right yeah oh, we, we do, do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh bumps bamse whatever you say over there but in sweden that means i'm the only one allowed to to, to speak until i say those words again right uh no, jokes aside um at 30 xavier simono and uh, the the thing is in, with Hardy not around and he having him at 15, you mm. know, it feels like I'm in the wrong because
1: I didn't do uh, what David Luis used to do. Like- well, you, I don't think anybody's in the wrong when it comes to Xavier Simono. I mean, Hardy had him at 15, right? You had him where'd you have him? You had him at 31 31 um i mean nathan had him at 43 so there's a big range on him and there's there's a reason for that it's it's hard to get i had him at 27 personally just outside of my top 25 and i did see a lot of him this season uh playing for the charlottetown islanders uh because i was scouting the queue as much as i possibly could trying to post highlights and everything i love his game i mean he has a very high motor uh constantly moving his feet he's very quick he's got a heavy wrister little bit undersized, which is part of the reason why he got passed over in the draft in the first place. And the Habs ended up being able to get him super late uh, as a re-entry into the draft. I mean, he could have potentially led the entire queue in scoring instead of Joshua if he stayed healthy all year. He had, I think, a little bit over two points per game or close to two points per game as his clip. So if he had stayed healthy, he might have challenged or might have even beaten Joshua for the scoring lead in the league. Uh, he had a great season, obviously a little bit, he was an overager. So the, the difference there between him and Roy being that he's doing it as an older player in the league, which they tend to have better results offensively. Uh, but there's a lot to like about his game. I see him transitioning into a significant role at the Laval rocket next year. And I think if he does well, he could be one of the first call-ups, uh, you know, if injuries or anything else happens with the Montreal Canadians this season, uh, he's, he's, he's a good prospect. It's fortunate that he got passed over and that he was available for the Montreal Canadiens to pick up with a late pick because he was a lot of fun to watch this year. He was a big part of a Charlottetown Islanders team that basically ran roughshod over the queue. And it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with the Laval Rocket. And we also have to remember that he's done it for
2: two teams in the queue now because he was obviously the captain for Drummondville before. That was when he was drafted by, by the Canadians. And now he's shown it in a different environment as well. Um, it's obvious to make those comparisons to another late round pick who has gone on to do very well for Laval and Raphael Harvey just by, you know, both being undersized both being, you know, local guys and, and just being you know, these guys that basically they are passed over in the draft a couple of times and then Montreal takes a swing on them, uh, you know, very late uh, when they're around their 20th birthday and they end up, you know, getting an AHL deal at first. And, and we've seen where RHP has, um, you know, been able to even make his NHL debut at this point. So who knows what a year in Laval or can do for a, a Xavier Simuno? Obviously, like, it's always difficult when someone is 5'7". We don't know a lot of players making it very far in the North American leagues when you're that tiny uh, as a player, but you know, he's, he like, it's like Cole Caulfield always says he's always been this height. So he doesn't know anything else. He Hmm. doesn't know. Like he doesn't know how to play at a bigger size or something. This is the body he was born with and he's going to do make the most out of it.
1: Yeah. And he's like, like you said, tiny, I mean, tiny is kind of, in terms of height, I agree, but yeah. he's a not thick. body like Yeah, yeah, he's pretty stocky. His forechecking is actually really impressive for a five foot seven forward. And you know, five foot seven might even be Jared. He might be five six. I don't know. I think he's probably five seven is probably accurate. Theo Fleury uh, was five six. Yeah, I mean, look, height is not that important, and especially if you have other physical tools that can help you overcome it. four uh, forechecks like he's Brendan Gallagher. Like he goes in there with zero regard for his own health. Um, which, you know, can be a double-edged sword because, of course, you can run into some injuries like he did last season. But, you know, he plays, uh, to, to quote the old adage, he plays a bigger man's game. So there's there's more to him than just being undersized. Uh, but but again, like, you you look at the rankings on him and he's, it's all over the place, from 15 all the way up to 43. So it's, it's tough to place him. And again, even myself as somebody who saw a lot of him last year, I had him just outside my top 25, which speaks to, number one, the quality of our, our, our pool this year and number 2 uh the the fact that he's just tough to rank within that pool so this is a big year for him uh i i really think he's going to get a big role in Laval and and we'll see what he can do there uh, like like you mentioned Anton he produced with Drummondville and then he produced even better when he moved over to Charlottetown so th- this is a guy that we got to keep our eyes on next year in Laval
2: i was going to make a make a quick joke as well that i'd rather take you know a thick thick, short guy, a stocky guy, than having a beanpole like Maverick Lamoureux, for example, who, uh, <laughs> you know, basically can hide behind a a light, what do you call it, light pole?
1: Uh, well, a light post, a lamp stick. Light post, knows, yeah, know, lamp post, stick,
2: yeah, exactly,
0: yeah, yeah. a broomstick. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, a lower center of gravity might actually help you. We, we've spoken about this on the pod before that. Uh, you know someone like kot built up too, too much of muscles up with the shoulders thereby raising the center of gravity and not really improving his balance because it was easier for him to tip over and i think we saw that in his uh, sophomore year and um yeah i mean yeah. as as you know caulfilus made it a show made it work others can make it work we have other players in the nhl already that are under 5'10", or around 5'10", at least, and, and they make it work.
1: 100%.
0: We're, we're, we'll be in Laval Rocket, and, and we're going to stay there, because the next guy on the list is obviously a, a uh, Rocket legend nowadays, <laughs> and, and it's uh, Drell Yeah, and they... We really should have had Scott on for this pod, because uh, he's the Rocket guy.
1: Scott Scott would have been able to contribute a little bit more on Teasdale than myself, but I was gonna uh, say
2: talking talking about stocky guys. He's like two hundred and twenty pounds and he's not even six foot.
1: yeah, and look, I, I I guess I'll speak for Scott in this case. I was I think the only person who ranked him higher than Scott. I think Scott, yeah, Scott had him twenty six. I had him twenty four. Uh, but Black 61 also had him at 24. So we had two panelists ranked him where I did at 24. So I'm a little bit higher on him than I am on uh, Xavier Simono. And I think that's partly because, you know, we've had the opportunity to see him progress in the AHL. He's got two seasons under his belt. He's another guy who can kind of run into some injury problems, and he has run into some injury problems in his career. Uh, but we saw last season, 28 points in 44 games, um, a little bit of a quiet playoffs for him, but he was playing more of a depth role for the team. Uh, he's another guy who's going to get a chance to step up and probably pay, play like a feature role with the Laval Rocket and will definitely be in line for call-ups to the Montreal Canadiens if the opportunity arises. So uh, another guy to keep your keep your eyes on. Like you said, shorter, stockier guy. Uh, you know, if you're under six foot and you're over 200 pounds, you're pretty damn solid and hard to move off mm-hmm. the puck, which is the case with him. Uh, another guy like relentless on the forecheck it's you know it's a good problem for you to have when you're trying to struggle to place guys like this in your in your in your ranking because you know that a lot of them have a pretty good chance of of doing something at the professional level and he's already playing pro and again I I think he's going to be very much in line for potential call-ups this year
2: yeah it's interesting with him because um, obviously he had that really bad knee injury when he first arrived to Laval and it's just, it, it makes it even more of a sunshine story because obviously he was undrafted and coming into, yeah. I don't know if he was at development camp or how it was that, you know, he was first invited or something, but like he, he just has taken, you know, the long, the long road to get where he is today. And now he's, you know, made an impact in the AHL. And it's just, it feels a lot better these days when the guys who will potentially receive call-ups. This season, or or even last season, are not guys who are just like in Laval or even in in Hamilton before that for for the season. You know AHL uh, groundhoppers or you know guys who just go around, bounce around from uh, from club to club, like a Matthew Pekka, for example, or or these guys um, Jake Lucchini and all those who they produce at a decent pace in the ahl but you don't really see any more potential than that now at least the guys who are in line to get call-ups are montreal bred guys or whatever you want to call it guys who've gone through some kind of system who have come come through the laval rockets and even potentially now with the echl team in trois rivières as well it just it's it's a lot more sound developmentally in Montreal and and in the Canadians um, franchise now than it was just five years ago.
0: It also brings in like players like this might be part of a deal, so you might actually lose them. These um, AHL lifers and and players that are on the verge of going to Europe you You won't fetch anything for them, but but in in trades, they might be able to sweeten deal or something like that. So here comes this sort of um, thinking that we really should do. Who would you rather lose and And Chedale mm-hmm. is up there That you want to keep?
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's 23 now, so it will probably just like uh, Matt said with Simonoi, will probably be a big season for for Teestel. But there is at least the potential there. We've seen with just a Michael Pizzetta last season. You know what a what you can do in just one summer, basically go from basically being AHL depth to being an NHL regular, even if it was on a bad bad roster uh, in Montreal last season. So there will be opportunities for these guys to prove themselves and and um it it would be great to just see Joel Teestel get a few chances of you know to play the NHL and just see what he can do because like I, I think he could fill a role on you know a fourth line in the
0: NHL and, and do it quite well yeah indeed
1: you want to add to that Matt or shall we move on I don't really have anything to add. I agree a hundred percent. I think that's where you were like, especially for me when I'm ranking somebody that's already in their twenties in terms of age and I'm ranking in the twenties of my rankings, I'm looking for some of those guys, right? I want to put some of those guys in there that can be, you know, effective bottom six players for the Montreal Canadiens. And I agree a hundred percent. He might be able to step up, play a fourth line role as early as this year. And, you know, that's something that I mean, you, you can always find those players on the open market, but finding them in-house is always better than going out and trying to sign somebody à la Mac Bergerin uh, and end up overpaying for, you know, fourth-line plugs. Indeed. And one
0: guy that wasn't part of the Czech team because uh, he's over eight, but fantastic uh, performance from the Czechs last night and Jan Misak in particular, or, well, not in particular because he the, the Czech goalie there really stood on his head. But beating USA 4 to2 in the quarterfinal of the World Juniors. Uh, but Jacob Dobesh has really is, is one of those giants that we like to talk about when we talk about you know goalies in the Montreal system. Um, really, really strong season at Ohio State, and um, a 0.3 the Ohio State University. important. <laughs> I'm not going there. (laughs) I I don't know why you say the Ohio State and then you say the Florida State or whatever it is down there. The the, the U or whatever. Yeah. That's Miami, but I don't know what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, But anyway, um, 0.93, 0.934, three shutouts, uh, 21, 12, and two when it comes to to decisions, uh, 35 games fantastic season really in in a good program as well Mm. this is an interesting one because obviously
2: matt was the lowest on him and i combined with Haddy, hattie who is obviously known of being a great talent evaluator and a great mind we were the highest on him having him at 19 so uh, matt what do you want to say to explain yourself
1: i look i'm gonna be completely honest i don't know how to rank goalies I don't know how to rank those. Every time I sit down and I try to rank goalies, I'm always like, I'm always reticent to put people a little bit higher. Uh, I'm also reticent to put them any lower than I put them as well. So, yeah, I had him in the 40s. I had him at 43. I mean, I I guess I just need to see more of him uh, in order to put him any higher on my list. Look, when I was making my list, he was one that I looked at and I saw obviously had a 934 save percentage with Ohio State last year, the Ohio State. Sorry, correct Mm -hmm. myself there. Um, Which which is great, but they were also a very strong team. So I don't know how much of that because the going thinking when it comes to save percentage that that's realistically a team stat more than it is an individual stat. So for me, I guess I need to see more. I tell you though, when I made my list, it's one where I looked at and I'm like, I have no problem bumping him up 15 spots next season if I see more from him, maybe even higher. So, I don't know. I guess uh, I I'll chalk this one up too. I haven't seen enough from. He, he is that kind of goalie as well that we usually joke
0: about, like the Giants and and uh, something that you know we 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 saw it with Dishao We see we've seen it with uh, with Dobish as well, and they're sort of a tandem following each other, drafted a year apart, and and uh, developing nicely. Really, uh, maybe saying that Dobish hasn't suffered from the COVID. Uh, situations as much as, uh, as Disho did even if it mm-hmm. seems like Disho um, did some excellent work off the ice in order to to really be able to focus and we're going to get to Disho later you know that because we haven't really spoken about him yet so we're going to leave it at that but but um, also Montreal has a couple of years to to evaluate him and decide what to do with him and it's also great because goalies really tend to take Longer before they get uh, real
2: ready for the next step. Yeah, it's fascinating to just think of Henrik Lundqvist, for example, um, taking a Swedish example, a guy who re- did really well in Sweden, but he was o- he had only played in Sweden until he was like 25, and then he went over to the New York Rangers and became became king of the king of uh, you know the Big Apple. So, um, Jakub Dabicek, 21 years old at this point, uh, drafted in 2020, um, and you know, solid development. I was going to say, like, he's almost too small to be selected as a Habs goalie, because he's only, like, 6'4", and all the other ones are, like, 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", monsters. So, uh, no, but it, it just... I think even if uh, the Ohio State University have a strong team and everything, it just... It doesn't mean anything if if they don't have a goalie saving the shots, right? So, like having a nine three four save percentage in the NCAA is still strong and, and we've seen Kid and Primo do it really well for for a strong friend you can't call it franchise but uh for, for a strong college team in the past and going on to play decently in the AHL and and maybe not so decently at all times in the a- NHL yet but the future is still ahead of him and, and as you say Pat um you still have like three years left to evaluate him. So if he continues on down this road, I I can easily see him slot into the have system um, once we have you know a declining declining carry price and and you know going away, and we need some more young depth coming into the AHL and ECHL
0: team uh, two years from now or so. Also playing for the Ohio State. Um, you play against the University of Minnesota. You play against Michigan. You play against uh, Wisconsin and and the Penn State. Just because, no. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but but uh, you, you you I mean like these are quality programs as well. It's not like you're beating up some some crazy program that you never heard about. These are you know strong program in hockey as well. Mm.
2: Uh, speaking of speaking of uh, you know speaking of uh, that conference. We're moving on now to uh, Tyce Melanic, right? Yep. Mm. Who just transferred from Quinnipiac University to, um, to uh, oh. Wisconsin.
1: Indeed. And, uh, who, uh, Pat, Pat was a low vote on him too at 39. I was, I was kind of lower on him too at 34. Yeah. I mean, I honestly started trying to take a look at him after we got him from Florida. Because I was like, what's what's the deal with him? I mean, obviously, the Florida trade was, you know, a slam dunk for Montreal one way or the other, right? You got the first-round pick. Well, uh, you, Chirot, you did lose Ben Chirot, so yeah, like, we, it wasn't quite a slam dunk. <laughs> you lost Ben Chirot, but what, what did he do for Florida in the playoffs, right? Not a whole lot. So this ended up being pretty much a slam dunk for Montreal. But we got him as high as 18 on Nathan's ballot as well. So it's kind of all over the place on him. I think he's another one that's kind of tough to get a, a read on. And my ranking has nothing to do with me saying he's a bad player. But for me, especially with NCAA players, I'm looking for progression, right? He went from 21 points in 29 games with Quinnipiac up to 23 points in 41 games. So he's scoring at a lower clip, right? Also, obviously, um, he's moving to the University of Wisconsin, as Pat mentioned. So this is a big year for him. Again, if he goes to Wisconsin and ends up with a monster year, I might be inclined to bump him up significantly on next year's list, but again, especially with NCAA players, I'm looking for that progression. Right? Didn't see that from him year over year in the NCAA. So for me, bumping him up any higher than I put him, I, I just couldn't do it. For me, it's also the fact that you know, as you
0: mentioned, the trajectory of, of his play doesn't seem to fit in in Quinnipiac. Uh, but also, he's mm. in his third year. He's two years of eligibility left, so so that's a you know you can't really evaluate him for that long. Second, what I mean, everyone know that you know it was going to be a first for for um, uh, Girard and and the rest was just add-ons in a bit, and and something that Montreal, you know, Florida wanted to get rid of him in many
1: ways. Um, that that's how I feel. And uh, <laughs> But you also wonder, right, like, if if we went after a more blue-chip prospect from Florida, would it have been a first-round pick? Yeah. And I think for Montreal, like, you're better off, okay, well, let's take the more project guy who's still got a couple of years left in the NCAA instead of saying, well, we want to go after your best possible prospect and then end up turning that draft pick into a second or a third-rounder instead of the first. Yeah, Especially but it's those the 20, 20, you, 2023 you got- unprotected first is what they got, too, so... Mm. I mean, I, I think that trades a slam dunk. And if Tyce Milanik works out, it's an even more. Yeah, slam but they dunk. got Heinemann as well. And I'm not sold on either of them, as you know. But but I mean, yeah. like, it's. it's
0: we'll, get, know, we'll get the Heinemann, well, right? I think basically, the invisible one's
1: there too. But, right? but, yeah, but, I was going to okay, say, but, I can continue. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but I think that, that the fact is that, you know, there is a reason that Florida parts with them as well.
2: I, I don't think you can count like that because obviously all well, of these, When it comes it, to the list, you have to sort of well yeah yeah sure sure sure, yeah sure but i'm just thinking like if you look at all the trades that montreal did you know getting basically first round talent they they traded um so they they traded arturi lekinen and got justin Barron, a former first round pick a late first round pick and and a second right um so that's basically a one and a two for uh for Lekkonen then you trade um Ben Chirot and you get a first round pick antis Tyson who was supposed to be he was ranked as a second rounder in 2020. So, like basically, you get a first and a second there, but you just flip them over. So, you get the first round pick in the draft, and then you get the second rounder prospect wise. Even if it was drafted in the middle of the third round, he was supposed to go higher than that. Emil Heinemann, the same thing. Like, you get the first round pick for Tyler foley and then you get Heinemann as a second round value prospect. It just feels like they wanted. Like they they were kind of thinking in that spectrum, getting a first and a second, and they could just basically flip the switch if it was a first round pick they liked or a first round value prospect that they liked more. Um, so I, I'm just looking at Tyson milanic as a, what he was in 2020 when he was drafted, and people were saying like, well, he's he has middle six potential, and then he played he's played for a university that I don't know much about, but I'm just thinking like. Wisconsin is a stronger team. He will play with better teammates. And I just, he's still only 20 years old. And I think that if he gets, you know, a better role on a better team, I, I think that he can move up this list um,
0: as of next year. For me, it's, it's also, I can see that why Montreal wants these two players from, from different clubs is really that they have two years of valuation left. If you yeah. have someone that is is from North America and, and not in in the NCAA system, or, or you, you you have to sign them directly, more or
1: less. Yeah. And Wisconsin's a really good program. I would argue a better program than than Quinnipiac. Personally, is is what I would argue. Some people might disagree with me. Um, but he's going from a good program to what I would call a better program. And. I think with a couple more years of NCAA, I mean, there's, again, there's still room for improvement, and he's also going somewhere that is going to be able to prioritize that improvement, so.
0: One of the very most interesting picks in, in this year's draft is really uh, the next one, and and I wish I had, you know, the scooter anthem going on now and, and screaming harder, faster, and roarer, because Vincenzo Roarer <laughs> is going to be the next one, and uh Drafted this year, third round, 75th overall. Um very, very interesting. And and I think, you know, if if everyone was was low on uh, Engstrom, I think maybe people are a little bit too high on Rohrer, even if I like him.
1: Mm. I agree. Maybe. Um, I, I was the low vote at at 39 on him. And again, that's not an indictment of his play. I saw him a few times with Ottawa and, uh, honestly, I like his game. My, my concern with him, and I'm I'm not a guy who really prioritizes size, right? You'll, you'll see that later in my rankings that I've got, you know, some smaller players very high on the list, but my, my issue with him is that he really likes to get physical and play a more physical game and his size is going to be a problem with that. It, it will, he skates very well. He's good in transition. Uh, and he's quite good defensively as well, but just the way that he likes to play, it's it's going to be tough for him to do that at the professional level with his size. He's going to need to put on some significant muscle in order to be able to continue to do that, and then what impact will that have on your skating? So, I mean, I had him at 39, um, but again, another player, yet again, where I, I'll be super happy to bump him up on my list if I end up being wrong about him
2: i was gonna say like i mean i I think you're forgetting one thing there he was one of the youngest available prospects in the entire draft he's born in september 2004 he hasn't even turned 18 yet so like even if he is listed at 168 pounds at elite prospects there is still significant time for him to grow into you know a bigger body and and adapt to skating to that and I, i remember writing the um writing the getting to know profile on him after the draft and uh coaches and teammates and everyone just raved about his um just the physicality of his game that the intensity basically of his game that that he never quit on anything and you just you start to get these uh small like uh, you know lecon and feelings or whatever you just uh, you know an intense guy that you could basically put in all over your lineup and he will make your your line better and Taking swing at a player like that in the third round, in the middle of the third round, sounds great. He also like he's only been one season in the in the OHL. We don't know what um, what he will be up to for next season. He's been developed, even if he's Austrian, he's been developed in Switzerland, and he's close friends with Marco Rossi, who was also drafted by the Ottawa Sixty Sevens. Um, so he's followed the path of Marco Rossi, but. No, I, I just I, I think that he could be a really interesting ad. And I I very he, he's a player that I think will only become better as, you know, he grows into the OHL
1: system for for the upcoming years. Yeah, and I hope I hope you're right. I really do. I hope I'm wrong and you're right. Um, I don't rank like, you know, especially in the 30s. Right. I'm not putting people in the 30s because I think they can never make it it's, I'm being conservative, right? Ideally, especially when I'm looking at, you know, uh, CHL players in general, regardless, whether it's the WHL, the O or the Q, uh, I'm looking for, hopefully, you know, that you can hit that point per game clip, especially if you're a scoring forward. Uh, He didn't hit that. So for me, uh, you know, that plus the fact that he is, uh, you know, playing that physical game at the size that he has, again, if if I look at him next year and show progression in terms of uh, scoring and also can pack on a little bit more muscle i will absolutely and happily adjust that ranking and bring him up higher for next season's rankings i was just going to say
2: like 25 goals as a 17 year old rookie in the ohl isn't that quite good
1: it is yeah absolutely i'm not he's, he's, i'm not dumping i'm not trying to dump on his projection no, no,
0: no. On, on his production right he's coming out of a pretty good i'm not going to say very good uh, system but uh, i know that I'm not a huge fan of Richard Grenborg either, but um, he's coming out of a program that Richard has tried to build up at in Zurich, and and making it more of a uh, classical um, program out of Sweden, Finland, even the Czech and Slovak republics, uh, in order for them to to really come through and learn to play the system and be able to to move between those age tires than that we have here in Europe. And uh I, I think that speaks volume as well. Zurich would not have grabbed him. He would not have been captain uh in, in uh, the under-17s if he wasn't a, a strong player. He moved up to the under-20s as an eight as a 17-year-old. He's he's left he's obviously left Zurich. Um and and it's a little bit I don't know if he was on loan to Ottawa, or if he actually was signed out of Ottawa because that matters. Because it matters if he was on loan. Montreal has four years to evaluate him.
1: No, I don't think he was on loan. I think oh. he uh, came over yeah. in the import draft and yeah. Um, yeah. made that decision to come But, but over sometimes, there, so. I mean, like we know that Which... Rasmus Sandin
0: out of uh, Toronto was on loan from the Sioux or to the Sioux from Rug- Rugler. He counts yeah. as a European. So that's what I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not too familiar with the, with the decisions here, but I well,
2: mean, I, no, I he, like he committed, he committed to the club. So like, yes, yeah, yeah. he's assigned to the OHL. It's like
1: yeah. Jan Misak is the same thing. All right, yeah. Which I wonder if he did that because he wanted more time to grow into his frame and play against juniors, instead of eventually having to go and play against men. Right. If that's the case, I think it's a super smart move, right? I think, think it's also the Marco opportunity Rossi to play influencing against- that. It could be because you mentioned he's friends with him. Right. So, I mean, again, this is what the second or third time just on this podcast where I said, like, when I made these rankings, when I was making my list and I put them where I put them, I was like, man, I I hope I get next year. I hope next year I have to eat crow and put this guy in the 20s. I do. I, I really do. That's the nice thing about the top 25 under 25 is that I'm rooting for all of these guys. So if I'm wrong, it's, it's the one time in life where I get to go, you know what? God damn it. I'm happy I was wrong. And I, I, I can't wait to correct it. Next, Next year, just we're like, going to
0: have like 60 names on the list anyways. It's fine. Yeah, I was going to
1: say,
2: it's just like when Matt do bottom six minutes and, you know, criticize the management and everything. He hopes
0: he's wrong, but... <laughs> no, I'm never wrong about that. I'm <laughs> no, always You're the Aura sent bang on about that. All right, guys, you've been listening to The absent Minded. We've been listening to uh, Anton Rosagord and Matt Drake and myself discussing uh, five different prospects on the top 25. And when we get to the next pod uh, for the top 25, let's be honest with that, we're going to get on to the realist. And uh, now the drama starts, really. Um, we have... Um, hopefully a pod about a trade coming up in in a couple of hours or tomorrow we'll see what that brings matt thank you for joining me in the middle of the day over in uh, new brunswick and anton enjoy those croatian nights